Hey everyone, welcome to Conversation With. My name is Terrence Fox, Head of Innovation with iAdvise. Today we tackle filling in the customer experience gap. And we've all seen the stat. Uh, while 80% of companies believe they're delivering superior super experiences, only 8% of customers actually agree with that. Which, you know, frankly, is a tremendous opportunity for brands today that are willing to tackle this to stand out. Uh, but that 80 to 8 difference is, is super and, and incredibly drastic, uh, to put it simply. Today, we're joined by the very funny, uh, setting the bar really high before he even joins, and conversational CX expert David Averin to cover filling in the CX gap. David, if you somehow don't know of him, uh, is a world-renowned CX speaker, consultant, and author. His latest book, actually, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back, was named by Forbes as one of the top seven business books entrepreneurs need to read. We're excited to have him. David, it's a pleasure. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. We're good. Good morning. Yeah. Or good good evening, depending on where you are in the world. Absolutely. Uh, David, it's great to see you. Your studio, everything looks perfect, immaculate, uh, as expected. Even my hair, doesn't it, though? Yeah. It's, it's no, my COVID hair, yeah. I have an anecdote on David Averin that I wanted to say for this moment because I know your sense of humor, but you've done something that I found that no one else has been able to accomplish. Okay, what is that? In this world. If you Google David Averin, one of the first images is you with your biceps. Did you see that, David? Oh, my gosh. No, they're, they're very small, so it, you didn't hey, even need any kind of a fisheye lens for that one. You've outsmarted Google some way. That's, I thought that was great. Uh, well, David, it's great to see you again. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks uh, for being here. Been, how have you been staying busy the past 12 months? You know, it's, it's because I speak for a living, uh, you know, it was a shock to the census for everybody in the meetings industry, whether there were audiovisual or conference venues or things like that. But my, I, I learned very quickly that my children um, had gotten used to eating on a regular basis. And so that required income to make that happen. So I know it's the overused word of the year, the, the P word pivot. But mm. I, I realized that if I was going to deliver the content that I did, I had to find a different venue and vehicle to make that happen. Now, we've been doing or others had been doing webinars and things like that for some time. And I realized that if I was going to earn what I needed to to uh, continue to support my staff and my family and everything else, um, I decided to sort of redefine what virtual was. I mean, it was mm. historically sort of that that webinar kind of big slide, maybe you're tiny in the corner. And so I built my own studio. So what, for those who are watching the video version of this, this is where I work now uh, as things are opening up. So of course, we're going to start traveling again. But I have been speaking. I think I've done 68 virtual presentations over the last year. Wow. Um, just started traveling again but found a way to do this in an engaging way um, so that it's still interesting and interactive. And so I've actually had a great time over the last year. I've been writing, I've been creating programs. I've got a new book coming out here soon. And um, I've got a new workbook and a new membership thing. So this was sort of, you know, if necessity is the mother of invention, we had a big need. And that need was to find alternative mechanisms for delivering content and wisdom. And so it's been a really, really busy year, but really gratifying. Uh, and David, you've mentioned it too. We've seen so much change in the past 12 months. Yeah. So I want to put you in the seat of a consumer for a second. Uh, have you had a particularly memorable experience amidst all this change in the past 12 months as a consumer? Well, you know, here's what's interesting, Terrence, is that we're all consumers. So right. no matter where you are in, in your business life, whether you're an owner or an entrepreneur and others, 
we're all consumers. So I think we can mine our own life, our own experiences to understand sort of the changing expectations of our customers. And so for me, uh, I've tried to be very uh, conscious of what's changed in my life and my friends and my colleagues and how that translates to business. And so what we've come to recognize is that, and we and this started, of course, long before COVID, but that we can get anything anywhere from anyone at any time. What's changed during this time and part of my experience is there's things I probably would never have done that I've come to recognize that it's pretty awesome. I have my groceries delivered. And yeah. my, my wife says, we, we need to go grocery shopping. we got teenagers. I mean, like they're eating us out of house and home. And yeah. um, so we sit down on the couch with the iPad. Oh, God, get like get like nine of those. Oh, get the chocolate one. The kids are going to oh, get more. Get yeah. those and we're going to hide them. Next thing I know, I've got $800 worth of groceries on my front doorstep. <laughs> um, but, it's, but it's changed us in terms of our expectations for immediacy, for access. I mean, look at what we're doing right now. For my right. parents, for our parents, this is freaking magic. For you and I, it's Tuesday. Right. So the world has changed and we've changed with it. Um, it's it's tough for business, but for consumers, it's awesome. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh can absolutely relate to the groceries. It's becoming a bit of a problem. The convenience is an issue now. Well, Uber Eats and DoorDash and all that is is a new line item on my budget. My kids yeah. are like, like 20 something dollars for, for two tacos, dude. Seriously, just get in your car. Yeah. Forget them. Absolutely. So uh, let's get to the topic at hand. Uh, you know, David, I want to lean into this this gap between yeah. customer expectations and the reality of the CX being delivered today. What can you share about the status quo? Well, here's what's interesting. And this this started happening years ago. You know, where there's so many things as business owners and entrepreneurs and others that's outside of our control in terms of the competitive marketplace. Mm. Uh, we can't com- control technology. We certainly can't control pandemics or competitors. We try to control what we can. And so in that, what we have done from a customer experience perspective is we try to create that customer journey, that predictable path for our mm. customers. Here's where here's where they research us online. Here's how they compare us. Here's how they find out uh, social proof and what others think. Here's how they contact us and order and customize and deliver and pay and install and everything along that path. And we have created it and we've refined it and we've revisited it to the point where we have some measure of predictability in terms of customer behavior. And for that, and because of that, we can we can budget, we can strategic plan predicated on anticipated behavior and revenue and cash flow and all that comes from that. Here's the problem. Our customers have never read our employee manual. They don't know how they're supposed to do it. They just know right. how they want to do it. No, it doesn't mean that we're not very good at anticipating that, but we're very bad as an economy, um, as a business world, in accommodating outliers, um, mm. modifications in that. We're very bad at that. And so the easiest answer when somebody wants to do something different than this is to say no. And we disempower our employees because we don't do that. Um, and, and here's the interesting dichotomy. And this part is just is mind boggling. We spend so much time trying to hire the right people, put the right people in the right seats on the bus. And we interview them and we, we look up their social media and see who they really are. We ask them profound right. questions, right? Like, tell me about a situation that didn't go well. How did you solve that, right? And we, get, we find the right candidate and then we neuter them. Now do it this way, right? So as a company, we, we can have some predictability. Right. What we've done is we've eliminated their ability to solve problems. We've eliminated their ability to 
to please the customer and go above and beyond and maybe do an outlier because it's scary. As business owners, it's scary to let our people make decisions that may or may not be profitable. And there's certain things we can do and certain things we can't. I mean, if you have a major manufacturing process, you can't stop that, that manufacturing line for a one-off. But we can find accommodations of vendor partners or others who can do it. So the short answer to the question is, I think the gap is between what we anticipate they will do and what we've designed them to do, and oftentimes what they want to do. Right. And today, look at the last year. We've changed, but our processes in many cases have not. Absolutely. And uh, David, I can't remember if it was a tweet or something you just recently uh, posted somewhere but you called out, stop being so inflexible. Handle the oh, outlier. Just because one person wants it one way and it doesn't match your handbook does not mean that you should always address or turn them away, right? Right. Well, and you think about the lifetime value of a customer. We say no far too often and for stupid, stupid reasons. Like you're at a restaurant. We've all been through this, right? You're with your friends and you order a, a chicken Caesar salad and say, can I get shrimp instead of chicken? You, some other item has shrimp, you know? And what do they say? They always say, sorry, no menu substitutions. No substitutions. Why? You know why? Because they don't want to do it. They don't want to figure it out. You know who does? The, the, the cook, the chef doesn't want to do that. Well, do you know who doesn't care what the chef wants to do? Oh, yeah. Everybody. <laughs> it is. Like, a my, my God, just say yes. Charge them a few extra bucks. What's the alternative? So let's not give them what they want. So they don't, they're not happy. They don't come back and we lose their future business and the right. lifetime value of that customer. It's so easy to say, yes, now here's the excuse. And we hear it all the time. And it's the laziest excuse ever. Well, if we do it for him, if we do it for her, we got to do it for everybody. Mm -hmm. No, you don't grow up. Just do it for the people who ask if you can, right? If you can, Right. Most people won't ask for an accommodation, but it's a, it's a lazy, easy out of saying, well, if we do it for them, we got to do it for everybody. No, just just do it if you can, because your customers will love it and they will love you for it. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and now let's talk about you mentioned the employee experience before. Sure. Do you feel there's been an oversimplification of this employee experience and and how it relates to positive customer experiences? Oh, I, I think a, a, a massive oversimplification. Now, let me clarify before I start. Sure. Employee experience is incredibly important. Culture trumps almost everything. Um, mm. And I don't think you can say Trump anymore. I don't know. Um, but, but, but happy customer or happy employees and satisfied and great working conditions and flexibility, that makes for a better environment. It's easier to recruit. It's easier to retain. Mm -hmm. But the oversimplification, and, and it's, it's become a meme. It's a bumper sticker. It's Sir Richard Branson who throws out this thing that says it's very simple. If you have, just treat your employees well. And if you treat your employees well, they'll treat your customers well. It is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And who doesn't love Richard Branson? But he's, he's just sucking up to his people. Having happy employees does not translate into happy customers. It's, you have happy customers when your employees are well-trained and they understand the changing world of your customers and they're empowered to accommodate and, and to serve. And I mean, one doesn't necessarily translate to the other. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying don't treat our employees well, but one doesn't drive the other. We mm. have to help our, our staff really understand. Um, and we treat them well, of course, but really understanding the changing world of our customers and understand why they ask the things that they do and why they might be frustrated and really, really work to humanize our clients, our customers, our constituents, our patients. Um, that, that, I think, translates to a great employee experience and customer experience.
Yeah, and you said humanize, which is obviously a big buzzword these days, right? Yeah. Uh, because we've seen a lot of uh, brands struggling to go digital, right? Uh, right. Which I think has been particularly impactful uh, to call some of those dinosaurs out who maybe were resisting the change uh, and resisting the, the needs of their, their visitors in this new way of, of shopping or engaging. Sure. But it, it's a couple of things. I think we humanize them by understanding that everybody's complex. They're not just our demographics, right? It's not just, you know, that every 22 to 27 year old Hispanic woman likes a certain kind of pants. That's, that's, that's just statistics that the, the mm. human aspect is, is what kind of access does she need? Um, does she have kids? Is she married? Is she, is she, is she working? What kind of flexibility in terms of time? I mean, that's what humanize. It just means that everybody's got complex, rich, wonderful lives. And we have mm. to recognize that. Now, the other part, which I think is, is really, um, some people are, are being dragged kicking and screaming into this is the recognition right. that humanizing that can be through artificial intelligence. It can be with a combination of the human aspect and all of that. You know, what's, what's really dehumanizing is making people wait on hold for 45 minutes or longer to, I, we, we have to stop using COVID as an excuse. Like I'm really tired of it. I mean, we hear this all the time. We're experiencing an unexpectedly high volume of calls. No, you aren't. That's a lie. You know exactly when your high volume of calls. You just haven't made accommodations, whether it's additional staffing, if it's not economically feasible, mm. work out some sort of, a, of an AI chat feature, chat bot, something that will allow 24-7 access to information, to ordering, uh, an easy off-ramp to human interaction if they need it. Mm. But we are a 24-7 world. I saw an interesting statistic. An interesting statistic said that that only like less than 20% of companies have adopted an always on business model for their always connected customers. Mm. There's no excuse anymore. The resources are out there. Um, what's really dehumanizing is making people wait and wait and wait because the reality is we won't. Because right. there's others who won't make us. You have to adopt technologies. You have to do it smart. You have to incorporate with human everything because as you said, there is a digital aspect, right? That's not going away. We'll see the pendulum swing a little bit based on travel requirements and social distancing, but we've learned that some of these technologies are awesome and they're getting better all the time. Yeah, David, I think that's great. Uh, the 20% is alarming, right? When you think about oh, yeah. what, something I love bringing up with our clients or uh, new clients is, you know, they'll, they'll tell me constantly how well-trained their, their team is, the culture, and of course, uh, the environment that they breed internally. Um, and that, uh, yeah, they're available from nine to five, Monday through Friday. Crazy. Right. Where they push you to a, an FAQ and right. it takes you 20 minutes to search for your issue when a, when a great AI chatbot can find it immediately. Mm. And most of our issues can be solved that way. But who closes? My God, I'm 24 seven. Of course, I've spoken in 24 countries around the world. Um, just during the COVID, I've done India and Germany and, and Abu Dhabi and South Africa. I'm doing presentations at two or three o'clock in the morning. Do you know why? Oh, that's right. I referenced that earlier. My kids like to eat. Yeah. It's, you know, people are like, thank you so much. I'm like, no, this is my job. This is what I do. I speak yeah. for a living. I consult, I write books, but we have to be 24 seven. And once again, there's lazy pushback. Well, you're going to have life balance. Yeah, you're not so successful that everybody's calling you at two in the morning, you know, but you have to be available or at least have access to information, ordering product information. It is a new world. 
and uh, people are getting caught with their pants down. Yeah, I love to ask. Uh, so what do you only shop during working hours? Are you shopping while you're working today? Right. Is that the only time that you possibly do some of your shopping? I'm the only one who wakes up at two o'clock in the morning and plays with my phone for an hour trying to get back to sleep. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, David, so what do businesses need to keep in mind uh, when trying to analyze this customer and employee experience to actually improve them? Right. Because you talked about addressing the outliers and, 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 and tackling those as they come. Uh, but what do we actually have to focus on to improve both of those? Great question. Um, I think the priorities have changed for consumers. Um, and it may not even be a conscious thing. I think the things that we value that drive our purchasing decisions, that drive our retention um, and loyalty to certain brands is different than it was even five years ago. But businesses still tend to, from a marketing perspective, promote those aspects of their business that are a bit antiquated. They talk about their quality and their commitment and their caring and their trust and their people and their culture, all important, but no longer differentiators. Everybody has great quality and commitment in people. If you don't, you, you're outed on social media pretty fast, right. right? It's Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor. Today, while we're talking about quality and commitment and quality is job one, our customers are telling us that they value speed and flexibility and quick response and choices and mm. convenience. That's their priority today. Today, and this is a shock to some people's system, convenient is better than better. Faster is better than better. And it doesn't mean that we'll take low quality, but we assume everybody's good. You wouldn't be in business. Right. When all things are equal in the minds of your prospects, who can get it to me faster, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, whoops, there my screen messes up here as well. There we go. Um, technology. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but how many people's businesses are optimized for speed? Speed right. of access, speed of answers, speed of response, speed of, of delivery. And we still, the thing, people will still say, yeah, well, we don't do overnight. Really? Amazon does. Why don't you? You don't know when that delivery is going to come? Uber knows they're at this intersection. They'll be here in nine minutes. Why can't yeah. you do that? Right? It doesn't, it may not be a fair comparison. Okay. So what? It is. And your competitors have to deal with it as well. So what's changed? I think the things that companies, to answer your question, what companies need to focus is recognizing that people will assume quality. It's still important. Right. We have to lead with access and convenience and speed and choices. That is what we as consumers um, prioritize today. Yeah, I love uh, the quote too. Your your buyers are no, no longer comparing you to just your competitors. They're comparing you to your best experience, the best experience they've ever had, right? Yeah, and we're having that every day. Like I said, for consumers, it's great. Like life is pretty darn good right now. I mean, it's tough with the distancing and, and I assume this, this interview will have some shelf life. But um, one of the things that we've learned and it started before COVID is that we've learned what digital means. How quickly can we get access? Um, your customers will leave you if they have to wait. They will leave you if they find points of friction. And mm -hmm. it's not that customer loyalty is dead. It's that it's much harder to earn and much harder to keep because it's so easy to leave you. Right. Because there's so many others who do something similar. Right. Absolutely. Uh, David, is there any, uh, let's call them hot shots or all stars in the CX space that you've been impressed by recently? Oh, I'm supposed to call out my competitors and say how great they are? Yeah. Yes, of course. 
Blake Morgan does great work. Shep no, no, no. I mean, as a brain, God, Terrence Fox, like out of this world. <laughs> actual, as a consumer, has there been any sure. brands you've been impressed with? You know what? Anything. The ones there, there's ones that are that are famous sort of historically in the Zappos sure. and whatever else. For me, it's it's the ones that personally are remarkably easy to do business with. Mm. Today, the best companies that that engender that sense of loyalty are just remarkably easy to do business with. And they say yes. Right now, it's it's a lot of things that are connected to Amazon, of course. Whole Foods is phenomenal because they'll bring it to me same day. Right. Um, you know, anything having to do with food. Um, but anybody who, who says yes, and it doesn't mean that it's for ridiculous things. Sometimes, um, sometimes a no is a no, right? Mm -hmm. If you have, uh, if you have a vegan restaurant, somebody wants a Buffalo burger, that's a hard no, yeah. right? It doesn't mean there's always a yes, but here's, here's the magic phrase. And this is my free giveaway for everybody. Even when there has to be a no, offer an alternative. It's so easy to say, let me tell you what I can do. That alone will diffuse most frustrated situations. Mm -hmm. That alone will engender tremendous loyalty. Uh, even if you can't, well, let me tell you what I can do. That is enough. I'll give you an example. I, I, I flew into Johannesburg. I was doing a presentation in South Africa and I'm traveling all night through Frankfurt, Germany. It's like a 32-hour trip mm. uh, for a one-hour keynote. But I got in at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I get to the hotel at 6, 7 in the morning. My presentation is at 1 p.m., plenty of time. There's no hotel room. Of course there's no hotel room. Their checkout is until noon. Well, most hotels, and I travel a lot, will say, we'll send you a text when your room is ready. And right. I sit in the lobby, and I put my leg over my luggage so nobody steals it, and I try and sleep. Yeah. And they said, well, let me tell you what I can. We don't have any rooms. Let me tell you what I can do. And they took me to a hospitality suite. They gave me a token so I could go in the locker room and shower. They brought me an iron and an ironing board so I can get my suit ready. It was awesome. Did I Was I mad that I couldn't get a room? No. I was thrilled that they found some measure of accommodation. Right. Absolutely. So, so there's the magic phrase. Let me tell you what I can do. It goes really, really far today. Good takeaway. Thank you, David, uh, for the time. This has been excellent. Uh, David Averin, customer experience expert, world-known speaker, uh, author of, I said it before and I don't want to mess it up. No, we're going to get it right here. I'm going to yeah. hold it up too. I, it's called Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. And a um, brand new book comes out May 1st called The Morning Huddle, Powerful Customer Experience Conversations to Wake You Up, Shake You Up, and Win More Business. There's my little plug, but look me up. It'll be, uh, it'll be posted here pretty quickly as well. But you can learn about me just at davidavrin.com, A-V-R-I-N. And Fritz, can you uh, put that up? Pardon me? I'm going to make Fritz put that up. Just so There you go. Even better. David, it was a pleasure. The very charismatic David Avrin. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you Thank for your you, time. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Next week, we have Justin Robbins, Chief Evangelist at CX Effect, uh, tackling the economics of the customer experience. That'll be next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Thanks again, David Averin, for, for joining us, and it was a pleasure.